I don't believe we have Josh Parrish just... No, 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 we do. No, we do, we do. He is here. Shall we we bring Josh in, considering we spoke about the Doherty Cup and we'll go to Altona, Port Melbourne later? The thing you have to understand, Nick DeBarno, is that Josh Parrish is at my beck and call. What What I say to Josh Parrish, he must do, and I see that as I've admitted him to the waiting room... He is, uh, he is finally yes. here. Uh, so I've got full control of Josh Parrish, and here he is. He joins us yes, now. Yes, here he is. Josh, uh, you've recovered from, from last night's uh, semi-final experience. Have, Hang you, on. have you thawed from, uh, from last night? Hang on. Josh, Josh, he's just talking about Tuesday. Have you thawed from Monday as well down <laughs> at UFO Park? We went investigating on Monday for strange occurrences, and we should talk about that a little bit later as well. I feel like we're burying the lead a little bit. Uh, definitely colder at UFO Park, but that's possibly the sort of sci-fi mist that descends over the place. Well, I can um, say I'm a bit surprised know. by that because I was going to Jack Edwards for the Nike FC Cup semi-final. I got a frost warning on my Apple Maps on you the way there. Frost yeah, I was like, watch out for icy roads. And I was like, how cold is it? Welcome it, it to the freezing. east. Welcome to the east, Lockie. Yeah, that's, Welcome uh, to the east. That's what happens. Anyway, Josh, uh, let's start with Tuesday because that was the uh, the, the headline fixture uh, Oakley Cannons getting it done, booking their place in the Doherty Cup final with a 3-2 win over Avondale. Now, you I have an unfairly good authority that you spoke to uh, to Avondale head coach Zoran Markovsky at the end of this game who <laughs> felt as though it was a performance where they had control of the game but the result j- just didn't go their way at the end of the day. How did you see it? Was that an accurate reflection of, of how things played out on the day? I do think Avondale were on top in the first, um, or in, for most of the game, but for the first 25 minutes or so, Oakley, I think, had their measure. Uh, often, as is the case with Chris Taylor's sides, uh, not dominating possession, but more territory. And, um, you know, they uh, managed to pick off Avondale's mistakes, essentially. And they were extremely clinical in front of goal. Uh, Joe Knowles, a player I've been bigging up all season, um, uh, came to the fore. You know, he he contributed in sort of fits and starts, but was, again, a very efficient operator. Three assists on the night uh, for all three goals. The first one in particular was an incredible assist where uh, he took on Utah Towns on the edge of the area, left him for dead, went to the byline. Uh, Tom Yonkerman came out on a to try and narrow the angle. Probably shouldn't have in retrospect because Knowles managed to dig this little chipped cross with his left foot from the byline it left Daniel Clark with an empty net. Uh, his teammates had a lot more to do for the um, for the second and, and third goals, the second fine finish from Tyson Holmes from outside the area, and then the third, uh, which was into the second half, more a result of Scott Hillier missing his interception uh, than any you know quality on the pass from Knowles. And uh, Joe Guest did the rest in the one-on-one. Uh, but yeah, Oakley were extremely efficient with their finishing, uh, and they were sort of hemming Avondale into their own half in the first kind of 20 minutes of the game uh, without having too much of the ball themselves. After that, uh, they got their two-goal lead and Avondale were able to play through a lot easier after that. Oakley dropped a lot deeper, um, but there were a few missed opportunities, uh, particularly Manny Agwek blazing over in the first half, uh, and they kind of left their run a little bit too late. Uh, you try and come back from 3-0 is a mountain to climb and they almost did it. If they'd had another 10 or 15 minutes left, they mm. probably would have won that game. Uh, but unfortunately for them, they they ran out of time and, uh, and Oakley are through to the Doherty Cup final. The uh, reigning champions are out. Well, Josh, take us through the fight back from Avondale. I mean, they looked, as you said, dead and buried. I mean, 13 minutes to go, down 3-0, Boland gets, scores the penalty, but there was a bit of a crazy finish there. 
Um, what did you make of Avondale's fight back? Because they haven't been at their best this season, but they were able to at least make it a bit interesting in that last little portion of the game. Yeah, it, it seemed unlikely, but um, you know they kept attacking. They threw everything they had. Uh, one thing I like about Zoran Markovsky as a coach is that he doesn't care if they lose four, five, six nil. He'd rather just go for it on the off chance that they could do something unlikely. So, you know, he does have a lot of attacking weapons and he threw every single one on the pitch at the same time and even sacrificed mm. one of his centre-backs. He was playing a back three with James Riccobene as the only quote-unquote recognised centre-back and even then he's more of a left-back. Mm. Uh, uh, Blake Carpenter, a very attacking left-back as a left centre-back and then Dylan Jakupi as the right centre-back. <laughs> so he, he was playing the most wow. attacking back three I've ever seen in my life. Scott Helia went to the bench. He brought on Boland. He brought on Liston Diaz as nominally a wing-back, but really a winger. Um, and he just went all out attack. It was like on Football Manager where you, you yeah. just think, oh, <laughs> no, well, you know, I've got nothing to lose now. I'm going to play five strikers. That's essentially what Zoran Markovsky did. And as Chris Taylor made more pragmatic changes to try and shore up uh, what he had, bringing on Barcia for Decker, I believe. That kind of sh- that, that meant they had a less of an outlet in transition. So it was only really Knowles that uh, that Avondale had to close down on the counterattack at that point. And then they just lost their footing in the game, Oakley, and Avondale were just pumping in crosses, uh, attack, 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 and they got the penalty from a handball. Uh, Christian Trajewski went down looking for another penalty and got booked for simulation, which was um, quite controversial. I couldn't really tell what the correct decision was from where I was, but uh, uh, Yusuf Ahmed came up with that uh, improvised chip over Nick Feely, and you know suddenly uh, it looked on for all money. But um, there was an, an injury uh, laid on just heading into at a time where Ryan Losty caught one in the face and there was long injury stoppage and that seemed to take the sting out of the game and it mm. let Oakley just take a bit of time, relax, compose themselves and they started with a, a few time-wasting tactics and managed to, to drag themselves over the finish line. But you'd probably say that of all the things you want to give to Oakley in a game, uh, extra time to sort of <laughs> chew chew away, just let slip, is is probably at the bottom, at the, right at the foot of the list. Uh, absolutely. I mean, they're a very canny side. They've got a lot of veterans in the team. Tyson Holmes, chief amongst them, uh, is probably the master of uh, S-housery in the competition. Uh, I have to say, I, I kind of respect <laughs> the, the, the lengths to which he'll go and the skill with which he disguises some of this. Nick Feely probably needs a few lessons in how to get away with it. Uh, there was one uh, time-wasting booking where he just unceremoniously booted the ball after it had gone out for a goal kick. It came back off the fence to his feet and he just booted the ball out into the car park and got a yellow card. And I'm like, what are you complaining about, Nick? It was pretty obvious. Um, but, Tyson uh, Holmes yeah. is uh, he's almost in that sort of realm of, of person where it's like, as a player, you get to a stage where you're like, this aggravates me so much. Kind of what you were saying. It aggravates me so much that I can't help but respect it. Like, Jose Mourinho is someone who frustrates me so, so much. And then it got to a point of frustration where I'm like, no, I actually love you. I'm sorry. You're so, (laughs) so objectionable that I can't help but love you. And that's not me saying that Tyson Holmes is objectionable. But uh, I can see how, as a player, those kind of things would uh, would get on your nerves. But there'd be a small corner of you that'd be like, yeah, nice work. I would have tried to do the same thing. 
Yeah, he sort of is the Sergio Ramos or the Ander Herrera of uh, of MPL Victoria. But he came up with a, a fantastic goal last night. It was um, rolling back the years at his old stomping ground at um, at Kingston hmm. Heath. He, he he created space, separation from his uh, his marker. Just brought the ball really wide and then shot across his body into the bottom corner from about twenty meters out, uh, which was a really fine finish. And um, he certainly impressed me. Well, Josh, I mean, looking ahead now, they play each other again on Saturday. It's one of the weird quirks that, you know, you play a cup game and then you're back in action again playing against the same two teams. I mean, can you expect much change? Like, I mean, they basically threw everything at each other, but almost full strength. Can you expect much of the same when they meet again on Saturday or can you expect a bit of alteration? Well, I, I don't think Avondale were full strength. Um, mm. They certainly well, they're not, uh, they're not gonna used be... every weapon... They're not going to be on uh, on Saturday either because, if I'm not mistaken, they played in the, the semi, semi-final, Josh, but um, Manny Agwek and Liam Boland both picked up their fifth yellow cards of the season against Andy Thunder. Yeah. So I would be uh, quite surprised to see them play this fixture. So already that's... Um, it, it's quite it's quite a big uh, clamp on what is already a, an injury hit Avondale, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, they were missing Stefan Valentini uh, last night, and you felt that if he'd been playing, he would have come up with something. He mm. might have been the difference. Um, Matt Reed is out through injury. Uh, no Brandon Lundy. Uh, they've got uh, the two suspensions, as you mentioned, um, and Golgol Mabratu is also out. So that leaves them without a recognized striker because – Liam Boland, Manny Agwek, and Golgol Mabratu, that's your three forwards. Mm. Uh, so they're going to have to come up with an improvised solution up front. I think the most likely uh, taker for that spot might be Yusuf Ahmed. But again, you know, he's not really a nine. So I, I can't see Avondale winning this game, to be honest. Um, they looked pretty battered and bruised and disappointed after the semifinal last night. Yitay Towns, in particular, leaving the venue, could barely walk. And he just looked at me and said, we're going to do this again on the weekend. <laughs> they, they are absolutely yeah. spent right now. And they've got the Northern Territory trip coming up in the cup yeah. as well, which, I mean, I'm not sure they're really looking forward to at this point, just given the travel time. So, um, yeah, I, it, they're in a tough spot, I have to say, just with the with the absences. Even though, you know, they're playing better than perhaps the results show, uh, the number of injury absences and the inconsistency um, there is is a real issue. Well, Josh, let's uh, let's take our eye back to last Friday before we go back to Kingston on Monday. Let, let's talk about Preston. Uh, they just keep on they, – they're, they're, they're finding their rhythm now, and they've got some exciting new signings as well. A big win against Nana Whiting to, you know, keep themselves right in the, right in the mix to, for promotion this season. Uh, take us through that game of BT Connor. Oh, that was a fantastic game, especially the first 15 minutes mm. or so were absolutely breakneck. I think Preston have become so accustomed to playing against teams who set up shop and try and put 11 men behind the ball that suddenly when Nana Wadding came out with their, uh, you know, Pep Guardiola, Marcelo Bielsa-inspired <laughs> philosophy, uh, Preston got very excited and uh, ended up, you know, creating um, lots of opportunities but also leaving wide open gaps at the back. And it was... Uh, anyone's guess as to how it remained nil-nil after that first 15 minutes or so. Um, I, I think Nutter Wadding had the better of the first half. They certainly had more of the ball. Preston still managed to create some good chances and Connor Bell hit the crossbar. Um, but Preston were just a little bit smarter and more savvy in the second 45. They tried to press still and they were still trying to attack, but they were far more compact and those massive gaps that were emerging between defense, midfield and attack, which is 
easy to do um, when you're playing at BT Connor Reserve on that massive pitch. It's easy to leave those spaces. Uh, Preston were just far more compact. They worked out uh, none of Wadding's, um, you know, passing combinations and sort of rehearsed routines that they used to get Josh Varga free coming in from the flank. And they just started making interceptions and picking them off on the break. Um, and uh, eventually it got the result for them. And uh, young Joshua Bina, the 20-year-old coming off mm. the bench and scoring with his first touch, his first goal for Preston was a was a nice little story. So, uh, yeah, they're, they're wrapped with that result um, and the way they, they sort of turned around the momentum of the game. And uh, going into the game on Saturday against Melbourne Victory, if they can win that one, five points clear in the promotion places. So that is a massive fixture at Epping. Well, yeah, that's that's exactly what I was uh, what I was going to ask you about, Josh, because the the, the thing that made this uh, that Friday night even sweeter was the fact that you know Melbourne Victory had to play the next day under the pressure of Preston getting a positive result, and unfortunately, under that pressure, they are they wilted the two all draw that they had uh, against. Dufton, to be fair, Preston do know a little bit about how difficult it can be to uh, play at Dufton and, and get a positive result there. But yeah, it's this Saturday, uh, it's a chance to, as you said, create a five-point gap between Preston and Melbourne Victory in third. This has got to be far and away uh, the most important game of, of Preston's season, surely. Yeah, it's it's the game of the year, I think. Um, you know, this will determine whether they have a, a more comfortable path to promotion or whether they will struggle um, to get up. And, uh, you know, if victory win, they retake the lead. So it's it's the classic six-pointer. Uh, Preston will be without Jimmy Harron, who did his hamstring against Nana Wadding. Uh, Ace and Ishak was available in reserve and he's partnered by Roxandich at the back. But the next man up at centre-half is none other than 43-year-old Sasha Ognanovsky, who has re-registered for Preston in the transfer incredible. window. He's still coaching at the club, uh, but he's been training with the team for the last six weeks or so and coming in his injury cover, especially while uh, Noam Sekolovsky continues to struggle with his injuries. Uh, having that veteran presence there as a backup, just in case they get an injury or, su- or a suspension while Jimmy Harron is out. I mean, he's not far away from uh, from first choice now. It's, he's only one injury or suspension away. So you, you might even see Sasha Ognovsky make a cameo appearance uh, at Epping on Saturday. Well, on on the, uh, the subject of, of cameo appearances, Josh, another player that Preston have welcomed in is, is none other than... Uh, Jonathan Gamano, the uh, the Argentine midfielder of uh, Avondale and previously Melbourne City, even Melbourne Heart fame. God, yeah, he, more Melbourne Heart than he Melbourne stretches, City. Yeah, he stretches back yeah. uh, back that long. Are we a chance to see him this Saturday? Obviously, it's a uh, a tight game for absolute certain. It was a nil or draw last time these two sides met. Could he possibly uh, be the difference for for Preston this Saturday at Epping? I. Th- I don't think he'll be playing a full 90, not even close, because he's not played for Avondale this year, or barely played anyway. Uh, So he's certainly not match fit. But uh, I have it on good authority that he trained on Monday and he'll train again tonight. And you saw a bit of his quality already um, in that training session. So um, he's every chance to get on the bench and every chance to make a 10, 15-minute cameo appearance. And if Preston need a goal or they need some veteran mm. presence to just uh, see them over the line, Jonathan Gamano could make that decisive impact. And I'm really looking forward to seeing him in a Preston jersey. Josh, just one more before we wrap up. Let's go back to Monday. Did we watch the greatest game of football ever played at MPL 2 Victoria level? Like, was that 
one of the most bonkers games ever. I might be recency biased, well, okay? Speaking, you know what? I, I can but... tell you, I can give you an idea of just how uh, many waves this this particular MPL2 fixture made. We have uh, coming through in the comments on the uh, Facebook live stream, uh, Craig Filer, a person who we had feared that had been turned away <laughs> Uh, from the show after we outed him for not turning up for a particular fixture. But he is in the comments saying that he cannot wait. He cannot wait for our review of the Werribee City Kingston game. That's how big of a splash this Monday night fixture made. Josh, we went into the game at UFO Park thinking, oh, relegation battle, like these two teams have been quite underwhelming, like it's, you know, probably going to meander out into a nil-nil or a one-nil win. But goodness gracious me. Like, the first 45 was, like, that was genuinely just an adrenaline trip. Incredible. Like, it was insane. It was like a Michael Bay movie. Like, yeah. it's not actually good. A lot of sweating tr- and a lot of explosions. <laughs> yeah, there were a lot of explosions everywhere. <laughs> uh, I, I loved it. Um, as I said to you on the call, I think, Nick, there are two types of good games. You know, there's, uh, let's say, Avondale Green Gully from the other week that Lockie called. Just champagne football. And then there's Kingston City, Werribee City, which is uh, kind of nonsense, but just uh, so much crash fun. bang wallop uh, entertainment. And uh, I don't mind a bit of uh, a bit of reality TV every now and again. It was, it was basically like a Christopher Nolan Batman movie, like The Dark Knight is Avondale Green Gully. This was 1960s Batman. Like you know, every time there was a challenge, they came up with thwack yeah. and whack and cut scenes, and you know, like it was. It was crazy. Like, you know, even for like the first like minutes, like Werribee missed an open goal in like the first couple of minutes. Like, oh, all right. Like, and these are some well, of the uh, new signings well, as well. And Well, Craig has come through in the comments again saying, I have never laughed so much in my life. I'm not sure whether that's talking about our intro to this game or about the game itself because it had that yeah, sort of well, quality. We, Josh and I were, were laughing at some <laughs> bits during the game as well. Like there was a part where literally it got to a point where in a 30-second patch, Charlie Fry booted the ball at a at just for no reason at a Werribee player. And then amongst the scuffle, Josh and I are talking about him kicking the ball at a prone player. And then there's a red card that comes out of it a few seconds later. And we're like, oh, this game's done. Werribee's going to go on and win. And then Werribee go and get a red card a few minutes later and kicks the score from the same free yeah, kick. And that's without even mentioning the, the goal mouth scramble as well. That is oh, one of the best mate, goal mouth scrambles I have seen ever. Yeah, Josh, Mark Latz is putting his head on the line like about three times. <laughs> it was crazy. I think, might, I think the, the ball might have actually... I don't know if you guys uh, picked this up during the game, but I watched it back on the stream. I think he might have got uh, hit in the, uh, yeah, in, the- in, in the unholy region because you could see Mark Latzis after he made that initial block, uh, the ball comes away before sort of getting back in and coming off the posts. Uh, he's, he's sort of... <laughs> Staying in the back four, but any time he gets a half chance to like instinctively uh, keel over, um, he does. You, you could see that he was fighting the urge to, to hit the turf after he was hit in a sensitive spot. And then he's um, uh, well, he was certainly yeah. holding his face, but it doesn't mean he, mean he was hit there. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> um, he, he put his body on the line, let's say. Um, yeah. And I was really impressed with Mark Latzis actually in the losing effort good. for uh, for Kingston. But Werribee City, what a result for them! And it, it it throws the the relegation battle wide open. They looked pretty much gone. Uh, given the run of fixtures they've got coming up in their last six games or so. Um, but now they've got a lifeline. They uh, they want to believe, Nick. Oh, yes. I was very happy with that line, Josh. I had to do it twice. I had to make sure yeah, I got it, it right. It didn't sink two. in the yeah. first time around. Right. I UFO Park, UFO and they Park, want yes. to believe. Um, but you know what the best part was, Josh? Those, that, that like six, seven minutes of stoppage time at the end of the game. And 
the ball went out for a throw-in in front of the Werribee 20s players, out, like just in front of us, <laughs> and a Werribee 20s player like just runs over the fence, leans over, it away, picks he? the ball up and throws it back behind him, and he just walks away like, I did nothing, ref. Like, what do you, what do you mean? And we're even talking about the fact that Giordano Marifiotti, it was, yeah, Giordano Marifiotti, bloody sending that ball, sending that drink bottle like he was doing a kickoff in the NFL. Like, after he was <laughs> subbed off. Yeah. And he got carded he got, for it as well. Yeah. And the, I, I, like, Josh and I were joking on the broadcast. There were more players with cards than yeah. didn't have cards in that game. Like, I'm genuinely curious how many yellow cards there were. Yeah, I was actually just looking that up, Nick. I was trying to go to the uh, the match center page and just see how many bookings are, are listed there. But uh, yeah, incredible. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. There's there's nine nine yellows wow. and two reds listed on the page, and I I think I think there were actually more than that. I, I think <laughs> I, can, I can see here that. Uh, uh, one of the Marifiotis hasn't been booked. I'm pretty sure they both got yellow. So um, perhaps uh, the referee just ran out of paper and uh, didn't want to do all that what paperwork was, in the end. What was the nickname for that Portugal-Netherlands game, the 2006 World Cup called again? That was at the, <laughs> the, the Battle, the battle of, of Nuremberg or something? You know, <laughs> or is that uh, something from World War II? Either way, it was, it was still a battle. No, uh, it was the Battle of Nuremberg. So we had the Battle of of the Grange or the Battle of South Clayton on Monday night. <laughs> we did indeed. And I, I loved every minute of it. I thought it was fantastic. Um, Werribee City lost their new signing, uh, Murray, to injury. Uh, and hopefully he won't be out for uh, for too long. Hopefully he's right to play next week because yeah. I thought he added a hell of a lot on that right-hand side. Um, real pace, directness, and just a little bit of unpredictability that they've, yeah. they've clearly been lacking this season. Well, Josh, thank you so much for jumping on. I uh, appreciate all your insight into all the games this weekend and also looking forward to this Saturday, Preston v. Melbourne victory. Good luck with the call, and uh, I'm sure we'll chat again with you very soon. All right. Thanks, gents. It's going to be a great game. So, uh, MPL TV this week. No, uh, no Preston Lions Facebook stream. It's the game of the round.